have told me five years ago, I would have recommend told my daughter to get take an Uber to the airport or take, get a stranger got a stranger's car to the airport. I would have said, "There's no way." And would I even be thinking of Airbnb in my house at or, or letting some stranger come stay in my house? There's no way. And so you start thinking about the things that are out there today, um, and you think back five years. I never would have done that. And so that's part of the uh, kind of point here too, because some of you guys are going to walk out of this going. Uh, I don't believe these guys. Welcome and good morning uh, to the second podcast in our series. Um, wanted to introduce Bill Imany today. Uh, he's going to be talking to us about the finance of the future and uh, really focus more around, you know, how some new technologies might be uh, opportunities for finance, the finance organization, to do things a little differently. Uh, so, Bill, why don't uh, you introduce yeah. yourself, and we'll yeah. go from yeah. there. Uh, thank you, Peter. I appreciate that. And uh, my name is Bill Imany. I'm a managing director and CFO with Trenergy, and um, and we're here in Houston at the Houston CPA Society um, CFO Controller Conference. And uh, my background is I started out with uh, Campbell Soup, uh, and then went on to Nalco Exxon and worked with several big four. And then uh, uh, started Trinity about seven years ago, and um, that and our background is working with and advising CFOs on how they um, run their finance organization. Well, that sounds like an interesting story, but I guess that's for another day. Yeah. All right, Bill. So, uh, what's what are some of the things that uh, we're going to be talking about today? Well, Peter, we're going to talk about um, just what we're hearing in the market out there, what we're seeing, and some things that. May, um, a lot of people might listen to this at the end of it and say, oh, you guys are full of it. Um, so that's part of, part of a little bit of controversy, a um, little bit of debate. But um, anyway. We're okay. gonna... Well, why don't you set the stage and talk a little bit about how we got here. You know, finance of the past, finance of today, and kind of get us going towards finance of the future. Well, and I, when I think, when we think of accounting and we think of finance and, and years ago, there was no computers required. You basically had your ledger sheet. And I remember my first job when I got out of school, um, the guy before me, we actually didn't have a desktop. We had this mainframe, but the guy before me gave me this big ledger sheet and he was retiring and I, I was looking for something to a computer to use because when I was in college we actually had the advent of computers coming up well everything was recorded on a ledger sheet and you really didn't need technology and things were simple then and then back in um, the 90s this thing called ERP showed up and kind of complicated things but it, what it actually did for the finance organization it enabled them to be more integrated with the business it enabled them to drive the business so finance role actually increased with the advent of ERP they started taking on more of a I'll call it broader role in the organization and driving change with the with these ERP systems because Go well, ahead. Bill, but uh, didn't people spend a lot of money on ERP and not get a whole lot out of them? Yes, they did. And if you think back to the 90s, people were rushing to get the ERP system in place. And, um, you know, sometimes it wasn't as successful as they liked it to be, but a lot of companies have overcome that. They've upgraded. They've kind of taken a look back and 
fixed a lot of those problems. Not saying it's perfect by any means, but they fixed a lot of it, a lot of those issues that they had back in the 90s. Because everybody's racing for the year 2000, remember? Yeah, the Y2K, and then they kind of forgot about the I and the IT, right? The whole information, get the reports out and use the information to run the business. Yeah, that was the, uh, the kind of the running joke was the ERP was kind of data jail. We had all this data, but we couldn't get it out, and we couldn't get information out of, out of the system, and how do we do it? So then people started putting in business intelligence tools and putting in uh, consolidation and planning type tools on top of their ERP. And today, a lot of that's been integrated with the um, ERP system, so it's kind of all part of it today. Okay. So after ERP, what did you see? Well, so ERP came along, and then... We had all the, uh, let's call it early 2000s, when a lot of things converged around with Enron and um, some of the other scandals that were out there and really forced the CFOs to take an even broader role in the organization. And um, back when, when I was with, with Deloitte, uh, we put together what we called kind of the, 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 the four uh, faces of the CFO and really talked about the role of the CFO and the CFO organization broadening even more and touching a bigger part of the organization and really taking on a, a uh, I'll call it a more heavy-handed role. And in some cases, even the CFO became kind of the quasi-COO um, at the time. And, and so th those early 2000s really expanded the role of accounting, the importance of accounting. And it wasn't just, I c you couldn't be an operations guy and not understand the, uh, the financials and the, and the uh, control side of it. Okay. So, you know, you're talking about kind of abacus and ledgers. Sorry for my simplicity. I'm not as smart as most finance guys. I'm really not. Well, you're uh, an then IT you guy. Talk, so. uh, I know, I know. So, you know, we have the abacus and the, the uh, ledgers. We have the ERP, which, of course, you know, still somewhat painful. Then you talk about the four faces of the CFO. What are folks facing today? Well, I, I, well, well, frankly, they're still facing a lot of those challenges, but really it's how do I use technology to advance? And um, it's, the challenges don't go away. The controls challenges are still out there. The ERP challenges are still there. The real question, and we're going to drive the conversation today, is what's happening in the world today in terms of technology and how's that going to impact finance going forward and looking forward. So are you talking about things like cybersecurity and how cybersecurity might affect, you know, finance's role in cybersecurity? Or are you talking about all this, man, you know, I hear all this jargon out there, you know, big data. Um, well, you, you know. IT guys have made up all this stuff, okay? Um, okay. And, and so you start throwing out. But it's real. Some of it is, okay, but and you guys made up all this uh, jargon that people don't understand what it is. So, okay. for, for example, big data, that just means it's a lot of data, but we put a term with it, and then you go and go, go into the board and start talking about it, and nobody understands what you're talking about. Okay, well, what about, like, robotic process automation and a variety of other things? Well, I, I mean, those are real. Yeah, if you're running a, a drill ship, um, but robotic process, I'll, I'll tell you a story. I had a... Uh, CFO friend friend of mine called me up and say, hey, um, can you uh, help me out here? Uh, robotic process automation. I had a consultant come out and pitch robotic process automation to my, and I'm probably going to offend some consultants out there, but um, pitch robotic process automation to me. And I, and I, and I was kind of going, oh, wow, maybe this is something I don't know about, I don't have heard of. So, of course, I called my buddy Peter up and I asked him and and really what, what we've done is you put a word on something that's been around for a long time there's this whole thing called business process automation and that remember about 10 15 years ago 
Well, they now they're calling it robotic process automation, and but there's no. I, I'm like, where's the robot, right? But it sounds cool. Okay. All right. So as you take a look at all of these terms and and just this jargon that's coming at the finance organization, what's real? I mean, where where should if you were to say two or three things that finance really needs to take serious from us IT guys who seem to make things overly complicated, what what are your thoughts there? Well, I, I will tell you just at, when I look at what's happening out there in the market and what we're seeing, and we're seeing some of the I'll call leading finance organizations starting to look at the one thing that starts to pop out is the word platforms, okay, and the use of platform technology to enable. The, um, the finance organization to step beyond what they're doing today, um, so that's really and, and and let's 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 get down to the meat of what we're talking okay. about with, with platforms and what we mean by a platform, because um, it's it's a uh, you know sometimes I I mention platform to a, a drilling company they're thinking about the big well yeah um, that's immediately what I thought about is I thought okay a drill ship or are we talking land rig what are we doing right well no we're we're talking about a means of um, bringing buyers and sellers together. And if you think about Amazon, Amazon's that's a platform. Um, Uber is a platform. Um, Lyft, Airbnb. Essentially what we're doing is we're connecting buyers and sellers together. Now platforms aren't just buying and selling. Platforms can be in the form of sharing information, sharing technologies. Um, a, 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 earlier, a gentleman asked about crowdfunding. It's the, it's a, it's a, it's along those lines of bringing buyers and sellers together in a common marketplace in a transparent marketplace. Well, that that sounds pretty far out there. I mean, how how would the finance organization take care of that? I mean, I understand Amazon, I understand Airbnb, but I mean, it's finance and accounting. I mean, they're not out buying and selling stuff. Well, no, they're not. But they're actually they're acquiring data and they're in, in information and they're also hiring people and sourcing talent so this is an impact not just on and we'll, we'll talk about some examples here in a moment okay. but part of um, the discussion today and people are listening today they might walk out of here going uh, these guys are nuts so this stuff's not going to happen there's no way and if you would have told me five years ago i would have recommend told my daughter to get take an uber to the airport or take getting a stranger got a stranger's car to the airport i would have said there's no way and would I even be thinking of Airbnb in my house at, or letting some stranger come stay in my house? There's no way. And so you start thinking about the things that are out there today, um, and you think back five years, I never would have done that. And so that's part of the uh, kind of point here, too, because some of you guys are going to walk out of this going, eh, I don't believe these guys. They're not right. There's no way. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that what's, what's going to really help is, is if you can give our listeners and the audience here, you know, some tactical ways that platforms could be used in the finance organization. Yeah, so we're going to talk about three things here um, today. We're going to talk about how um, organizations, uh, you, finance organizations ga gather and use information. Okay. And then we're going to talk a little bit about how they um, acquire uh, talent and source talent and how they use consultants and the like. And then um, we're talking about how finance, with the advent of platforms, platforms are going to change the makeup of administrative functions within companies. And they're already, it's already starting, starting to happen. So, and I'm talking about f functions outside of finance, like procurement and, and information technology. And there's going to be, still be the pieces left over to pick up, and finance is going to have to 
pick up those pieces because frankly if you look at administrative functions the, the things that are going to be left over are going to be controls and putting the right policies and procedures in place and who's better at putting getting controls in place and putting policies and procedures in place than the finance organization and that's going to start to extend beyond just the financial controls but into everything else that's happening and they're going to and actually they're going to be starting to own own that that piece of it so if you start with the first piece right which is acquiring data um how how could platforms help i mean let's say budgeting planning forecasting or something like that what what are you thinking there bill or well, what are you seeing well i'll, I'll tell you historically um, if you look at most organizations when you use the word planning budgeting and forecasting it's painful and particularly painful to operational people who are out there having to fill out it's, it, it, here, here's how it works i've got a finance puts a template together they either put it in a system like a like a hyperion or something like that or they send it out in a spreadsheet and they ask them to fill it out then the guys fill it and you're asking a guy out in the field or someone who's an operational manager or a salesperson to fill out the template and they they're doing the best they can to figure out what numbers they should put in there and then guess what the number they add up all the numbers and they're not right and they tell them to change it again and then you go through this whole iteration of and it's really you're torturing operations that's what, that's what finance is doing to them and they're, they're the, the finance guys are, are looking and, and they're going that number's not right and there's this back and forth and and I'll tell you I had a, a client of ours they actually did I'll call it the thousand spreadsheet march where they would send the spreadsheets out and and then actually the operational people would create their own spreadsheets that sat behind those spreadsheets so they can come up with the numbers that finance is asking for and it was occupying during the budgeting season which sometimes lasts up to six months it was occupying a good portion of the operational folks time it was taking them away from their business and back and forth back and forth and and so they um I hired a new uh, VP of planning. The guy, he looks at me and he says, hey, um, I could probably come up with um, a forecast um, and be better than, than what they're coming up with. Just looking at some macroeconomic factors and, and you know, just looking at history and, and looking for what's happening, what's happening with oil prices, what's happening with um, steel prices and the like. And, and I said, well, okay, well, so he started doing that and, and basically went back to his CFO and said, you know what, we don't need to torture our organization anymore. We need to start thinking about, and they, the guy, he said, look, I'm, 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 I have a better forecast than these guys have. And he, the, the CFO looks and says, well, wh why? And he says, where are you getting your information from? He says, I'm getting it from outside the company because our sales guys are sandbagging things. And depending on what's happening at that time, they may or over or under forecast, depending upon what they want to communicate to management. And so that huge spreadsheet march was being replaced by gathering external data. And so he was getting for, um, oil price forecasts, steel price forecasts from other, other, uh, through other means. So in other words, he was, he was gathering that information himself from various different places. Well, what's the next step? So when we start thinking about platforms, what's the next step in the whole process? The next step is companies are already out there, um, I'll say crowdsourcing from different data from different companies. And I'll, and I'll give you an example. Uh, Campbell Soup was, um, they're looking at their forecasting accuracy and how, how and they were 
and looking at fill rates and looking at inventory and, and, and predicting how uh, how they were going to um, actually forecast to their to uh, to management and to their to the stockholders and they were significantly off in their forecast so they they actually um, the company called Chainalytics they actually they're you know and, and it's they don't use the word crowdsourcing but they're sourcing data from various different companies that helps them predict what their fill rates are going to be and what their inventory what, what inventory they need to stock so i mean bill i mean what you're talking about sounds an awful lot like benchmarking i mean what how is this different than benchmarking you know going out i work for the big four we used to do benchmarking and just give it to our clients i mean what what's the difference here yeah, that's a good question. It's very similar to benchmarking. However, it's how that how that data is being being gathered. So, if you think about a, um, a, a, a crowdsourcing platform where I'm going to I'm pulling data, and, and Oildex does this. They get, they have companies that will provide them with their with with, with data, and they're 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 essentially normalizing it. But that's that that's a platform right there. That's what they're doing, and more and more companies are using that. And so it's it's benchmarking typically was I'd hire a firm, and they would come in, and they would do some surveys, and it's a one-time only thing, and or they're giving you some well, data. It's, it's dated, too. I mean, it sounds like what you're saying is it's it's a modified form of benchmarking, but what you're doing is you're doing you're using real-time current data, macro data, to, to build your forecasts or, or – to use in whatever reporting you're trying to use. That's what it sounds like you're saying. It's not just data, but then how, how do I model the business? So um, I'll give you a prime example, Anaplan. They're a, they're a planning and budgeting platform company. And what, what they do is they actually have models out there that, are being, that company, different companies contribute to their platform that companies are reusing. So if, if I need a model that's gonna model out, um, you know, um, rig count and give and spit out a some sort of revenue forecast or some sort of algorithm their companies are actually putting their their models out there for others to, to for other companies to reuse and share so they're actually crowdsourcing that through the company so because when it, we use the word crowdsourcing we hear the word crowdfunding you're always thinking about people but these are companies actually doing that and they're they're volunteering that they're they're taking their their proprietary data out of there but they're actually sourcing a model or something or and reusing that through the platform okay um makes makes sense to me sounds sounds fairly technical um but well, you're uh, the technical guy peter yeah, so I understand. um you know it, so and, and, and i know it's kind of scary too because the what, what you're seeing with these platforms is a lot a lot of this stuff is cloud-based so it's not requiring it people to go get the data yeah well i and and i don't disagree with that i actually like cloud cloud uh, cloud-based applications because they're more secure um, what's uh, kind of what would be the next thing that uh, platforms might be doing for for the finance organization well I, here, here's the other piece of this okay so you bring up the the whole cloud mm -hmm. and companies uh, I'll say over the past uh, five years ago you'd have a discussion about the cloud uh, most uh, People would say, um, "Look, I'm not having I'm not having my computer systems run by somebody else off-site. I don't trust it. I don't think it's secure." And that mind shift change has has taken a 180-degree turn. Companies are now coming to us saying, "We want to move to the cloud. 
I've got a, this whole server room here and I've got a bunch of IT guys and they're sitting here telling me we've got to upgrade servers every six months and and um, the capital expenditures on that are just going through the roof. And by the way, um, the system went down during close and our IT guy said, well, it's because we didn't run some sort of patch or something. And so it's that constant going back and forth with them or, or the IT guy was out yesterday because he was sick. Well. We don't, we don't need that headache. Finance doesn't need that headache. So what's, what's happening is, is a lot of the stuff that IT's been doing is slowly being moved outside the company. And there was this whole concept that Harvard Business Review came up with about five years ago, IT being a utility. And they kind of said, you don't have an electricity department, so why do you have an okay. IT department? Now, we're here talking about finance. We're at the CFO Controllers Conference. Why are we talking about IT, Bill? Is it because IT reports the finance? or I mean, what, what's the impact well, on finance? Well, first of all, IT, IT typically reports to finance. And the reason why is because the CEO doesn't want to deal with that stuff. It's, it's the, the IT guys are, are, you know, nothing against IT guys, but they're coming, they're, they don't speak um, business language sometimes, okay? So they put them under the CFO, okay? okay? And so the CFO's overseeing that and taking that on. But, but if you start thinking about the future and things are moving to the cloud and support models are moving outside. So today you might have, let's say you have an Oracle system today and you need a oracle expert who's going to run oracle reports and tweak the oracle system and that guy is probably spending half his time um you know on the internet and the other half time doing oracle reports for you but you need them right well you start thinking about platforms and crowdsourcing why couldn't you have a, cr a platform where oracle guys are sitting out there and they're already starting to do this where if i need an oracle guy to run a report i'm i'm going to get that on demand just like I need somebody to give me a ride to um, downtown this afternoon and I don't want to drive. Well, same type of concept. And those people are out there. And they're, And if you look at that and you start thinking about there's surveys out there talking about to these to workers, 81 percent of workers today, traditional workers today, say, that, say, say they would prefer to freelance and, and, and be able to manage their own time. So you think about that from a worker's perspective, people are wanting to freelance and people are wanting to set their own schedules. And what better way to do that than if I'm an, if I'm an Oracle DBA uh, type guy, I can set my own schedule and help the companies I want to help and turn it on or turn my little Uber app um, on or off when I'm um, providing that. that okay, uh, so what you're saying is with the elimination or the reduction or right sizing of IT, which is what I have to say because I'm an IT guy, um, it kind of leaves finance holding the bag, right? Finance kind of has to make sure that what's left is working well. Well, is yeah, what's, so what, well, what's left after that? So you got controls, right? IT controls that you've got to make sure are in place. Well, you're not going to keep an IT department just to have I, make sure IT controls are there. You're not, you're not going to keep a bunch of people to do that, and so it's going to fall over onto into finance. Cybersecurity. Here's the other thing. And, and, um, if, if, in, Peter, last week you were at the uh, conference talking about cybersecurity and kind of probably um, turned some ears on that. But IT does not own cybersecurity. The business owns it. Because if you think about every cybersecurity breach that's been out there, it's always because of somebody did something. I think about our clients who they had uh, some, uh, they were, um, some money was, somebody tried to hack in and do some stuff, and it was really through an AP clerk. It wasn't through the IT guy. The AP clerk, you know, um, 
answered an email that she shouldn't have answered and she thought they were disguised as a vendor and so it's education educating people and who's better at educating people on um let's say on proper behavior it it's your it's the finance people you guys uh, finance okay. and accounting people are wired to yeah, i'll say put policies in place and keep controls in place they're wired for that and what better way to do that is through the through the finance organization okay so i i mean i agree totally from a cybersecurity perspective but i think maybe you've picked on it enough are there other areas that uh platforms might be able to because I'm, I'm going to go home smarting right this and by the way we're riding together in a car so if you want to ride home you need to or back to the office you better stop picking on well, me well i can uber so, back so ah there you okay. go okay you got me all right so the other the other piece you look at procurement and you look at platforms and this is already happening um i look we, one of our clients they don't have a procurement department they use nov's platform for all their buy and what the all their and and they can compare and compare pricing and and get a competitive bid through the platform so if you have visibility into pricing and you've got platforms out there that are already like a like a rig up um, or a or even some of the nov stuff that's already out there and you think about what's happened in the consumer market that's that's going to happen in the in the uh, corporate world as well in the business to business world and so why do i need a procurement department well, a lot of those things start, those tasks and activities start going away with more visibility into what's out there, prices and, and the competitive and the bids I can get. But then what's, what, what's left? It's the, it's, it's the controls around procurement to make sure you're buying from the right places and the right people. Well, guess what? That's not a, you don't need a big department to do that anymore. You've got now, you've got your finance organization is going to start picking up that piece of it too. So, so what I'm hearing, at least in these two areas, and I'm sure you have a whole variety of other opportunities, is as these administrative functions get right-sized, reduced, or eliminated as a result of these platforms, finance is going to be left, I, I know I use the term already, picking up the pieces because of controls and and what is remaining will typically fall under finance, and so if finance isn't thinking about that today, um, they, they, they need to start thinking about it. Is that what you're, you're saying? Uh, th that's right, that's right. Okay. And start thinking about how, how, are, how are you gonna start shifting that work and then uh, taking some of that stuff on? Because it will require finance to add, add some people to, to support it, but it doesn't require a whole different department and function to, to support that. But so, so the next, um, piece we'll talk about here and this is um, um, th th this will offend any consultants in the room so if you're a consultant you can um, you can you know yell at us after this but um, uh, I'll give you I'll give you his email I'm not mine I'll give you his um, but the, the reality is if you look at today there's one how do you get talent today in terms of experts so I need an expert to help me with be it something around Oracle or around taxes or around revenue recognition or whatever it might be. So today you bring in, either you hire somebody who's an expert in it and they're, and, and by the way, if it's a tax expert, they're spending maybe 20% uh, of their time providing expertise and then the other 80% of their time is, I'll call it paperwork and other stuff. Or if you bring out a consultant out who's an expert, he's sitting there occupying space and he's, 
um, walking around your organization, and I think about Bob and Bob from Office Space, and spending a lot of your time and his time and effort where you just need a simple answer to a question. And in, in, you think about uh, the new revenue recognition rules and the expertise that you needed, and, and I, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting. I've, I'm seeing companies, controllers call up peers from other companies, ask them how they're handling it, and the, the, the company, the, the first company that did it hired a consultant, and then they're giving them advice <laughs> and tell them how they did it, but they paid for it, and the other guys aren't paying for it. So you're kind of going, what, what are you guys doing here? But, but really, you need the advice, and you need the answer. And so why not, why not have, and they're already starting to have out there, but they're not, they're not good, I'll call it platforms, where you can go on and there's a group of, you find these consultants, you call them up asking questions on demand, they don't have to show up on site, or maybe they do, they fly in, fly out, but bringing that expertise and talent in. So what really, with the, what, what, if you're able to crowdsource that talent through a platform, then really the finance organization can focus on developing leaders and leadership and not worry about having a whole team of experts who may not be equipped to be leaders of a finance organization and, and future CFOs. So that's that's really the shift is how do you get talent in and starting to look at, okay, are we going to have, do we need consultants to come out every time we have a new XYZ um, regulation pass or whatever it might be, do, or even from a tax perspective, are there, are there going to be platforms out there where tax profession, you can get tax advice, professional tax advice on through, through crowdsourcing. And by the way, if I'm a tax professional, I'd, I might rather do that and work my own hours and, and spend 100% of my time providing expertise and not, and not worry about the, I'll call it the paperwork side of the uh, tax equation. Well, I, you know, you bring up an interesting point. I mean, in terms of getting staffing and temporary staffing or, you know, skills, you know, on demand as you need it, uh, isn't that happening today already? I mean, there, there's, there's a variety of ways to go out and get people. How, how, is, how is a platform transformational and any different than what, what you're doing today? Well, it, it, it's already happening. You're right. It, it, it's already happening. It's happening with, I'll call it, just, um, I'll call it workers. Um, there's platforms out there that are actually sourcing um, workers. So if you're a hotel chain and I need um, five cleaning people to show up between uh, two and five, um, that those plat there's platforms already out there doing that kind of stuff that are it's already happening it's just it just it hasn't quite adopted in the prof I'll call the professional workforce yet yeah. well and I, I'm not trying to be difficult but you you say something interesting there it's it's the professional workforce I can't when I start thinking about you know tax advice or um, you know advice around the new lease you know lease lease rules the leasing rules the lease treatment again I'm IT I don't know exactly I understand what the problem is right. but but if I, have, if I have somebody that comes out and helps me and then I want them to come back, how, how, how do I do that across a platform? Because crowdsourcing by its nature says I may not get the same person twice. And do I want to continually retrain that individual about my company and my, my problems? How, how do you get around that? Well, and that's, that's going to be the challenge for these um, crowdsourcing platforms to be able to figure that out and figure out how do I get that return guy. You're right. Today on the platforms... Um, I, I, I dial up a, a um, lift or something like that. I get a different guy. I'd like to get the same guy that I had last time, but I'm not going to. And so that's kind of a nut they'll have to crack and figure out how do they do it where I can pick my talent and the, and the like. Cause you, and, but but uh, at, the, at the end of the day, you want 
the best answer. And the guy that you used last time might not have the next answer. It might be somebody else too. So um, that, and, and that might even be a change in, in a shift in thinking too, in terms of how we acquire talent. Do I care if it's that same guy or do I just need the answer? And that, that's, that might be a mind shift change too. Interesting, okay. So what else? What well, else do you have for us today? Well, I think that's it right now. Okay. But unless well, you want to, unless you want to go back and talk more about IT. Well, no, is, I don't uh, want to go back and talk more about IT. I, I did want to though touch bases and get your perspective on something. Um, really, it's around cybersecurity. You know, this seems to be a hot topic. Um, finance seems to be getting in the middle of it because the majority of breaches that folks are getting, um, you know, end up with money out the door. And, um, you know, I know we're going to have a great speaker later today on cybersecurity, but do you have a perspective on finance's role in cybersecurity? I mean, since we have you here, just maybe two or three well, minutes and then, then we can open for questions. Well, I don't think it's any different than any other, anybody else in the business, but I, I do think, I mean, as I mentioned before, finance is needs to take a more proactive role just from a controllership perspective and how they enforce controls and embedding cybersecurity in that 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 whole i'll call it control framework to make sure that because uh, it, it, largely we find out what we see is the you've, you've got a controls framework that says okay here's the things you 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 can't do and, and can do, and these are the procedures and processes you must follow, but looking at that and looking at cybersecurity as part of that framework. But I would also suggest that um, finance can be, even, even when I said earlier, business owns, business owns cybersecurity, uh, owns it, finance can take that leadership role in the organization and say, look, this is how you own it, this is how you do it. And this is what we're doing and having those conversations. People, it's, it's really embedding that in the conversation when you're talking about, hey, when you get an email, should you ever click on anything, on a, on a link? Don't ever click on a link. If, if it come, it's coming from your bank and you're the treasurer and the Wells Fargo, send the, go, you've got a portal that you can use that you can go and go into to actually go into their website. So it's just that, that simple education and setting that example. Okay. Well, thank you. I, I guess just to, to summarize, so what you're saying is, is that from an IT perspective, there's just a ton of jargon out there. There's a ton of things hitting finance from robotic process automation to big data to just a variety of jargon words. And uh, as you look out there, the whole concept of platforms, the ability to seamlessly um, trade across uh, kind of a frictionless environment. See, I can use big words too. Um, you know, will affect finance probably the most when you look across all this. And it's really three areas that you're saying finance is going to be impacted. The ability to source what I would call real-time benchmark data, right, um, to kind of change the way that the administrative functions are structured within companies, which really leaves finance holding the bag because finance is going to be charged, finance and accounting is going to be charged with controls and putting controls around what's left. And then the last thing is the way that finance and accounting gets talent uh, during you know, very tough times, either in tough times being new rules are released or, or, hey, I just need somebody to come in and solve a problem really quickly. So that, that's kind of what I was hearing you, you yeah. say. You did a good job summarizing and Maybe we can open up some questions to the uh, okay. group here. That way I don't have to pick on him anymore. That's why he does that. Any questions? Yes. 
forms, the different types of things people will be searching for. How do you think people are going to be finding those various platforms? How, do, how are businesses going to start noodling what might be out there to solve my problem? Yeah. So right, yeah. right. That's a good question. So it, the question is, how how are co how are companies actually going to go find these platforms? And and that, that's a really good question. And a, a lot of it has, to, I mean, it's the, so if I'm a company creating a platform, I'm going to market to you, okay? And and I'll, and I'll call it uh, today in the whole world of marketing in terms of digital marketing, all that stuff is becoming so um, targeted as to what you want. So, and I think about the last time I went on, went online and I was looking at a shirt and all of a sudden I get shirt ads all the time. So you're going to be online sitting there one day going, Oh, um, I'm going to Google something about budgeting. And all of a sudden you're getting hit with all the, these, these targeted ads. So a lot of that's just going to be you going, well, that sounds interesting and, and clicking on it and being marketed to. And I think that's what, what, what's happening today. And, and, and frankly, if you think about where do finance people go today and you, well, then you'll, you'll, you'll learn about that and hear about that stuff. But I also think it's conferences like these where you meet other people and they're talking about what technologies they're using or what they're doing today and meeting those people and, and talking to your peers. Yeah, and I would, I would suspect that, you know, from a marketing perspective, you're going to start seeing things through everything from CFO Magazine to, you know, people going in and, uh, you know, if I were to develop a platform, I'd go to FEI. I'd come to Houston CPA Society, spon you know, to Bill's point, sponsor these events, and then you know, pump it out uh, in the press and on the website. So, yeah, there are a lot of venues that that will get the message out. Any other any other questions? Well, I, actually, I have a question. I have a question to the audience. Oh, no. What do you guys think? I mean, is this, I, you know, is this kind of a crazy idea? You, you get to pick on the speaker now. Um, you know, do you think this is, you know, what we're talking about is a crazy idea or what Bill's talking about is a crazy idea or, you know, is, is, is this real? There's definitely a guy in that way. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you're wondering why the hell they're both building this show, not in India or other places where it's much cheaper. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not talking about highly sensitive stuff like uh, yeah. US intelligence and stuff. I'm just talking about regular companies and home uh, use and stuff. Why is it all being built here? Why is it being built here versus overseas? Well, yeah. Eventually, someone's going to come in and say, we can do it. Right. Okay, so a couple of things are, are happening. One is, um, from a global perspective, yeah, yeah, India was the first place. Now India is too expensive. So the next, right? So everything. Philippines and so, China. And, but yeah. people don't realize, and I've got clients all the time who say we're oh, we're offshoring X. Well, what they never figure in is the travel time going back and forth managing it and how much time it takes to, to manage something offshore and the additional costs that aren't aren't embedded in the actual rate per hour so i can go send it to india for 10 bucks an hour pay somebody 50 bucks an hour here and it costs me half as much to manage it so what you're what, what a lot of these companies are discovering is i can manage much more easily having it here where i'm not having to fly people back and forth and spend that extra time and overhead and then also dealing with language barriers and having to train. I'm and actually other. just talking about the storage facilities for these platforms. Right. Mm -hmm. the cloud. Yeah. Right. I mean, most of, most of us are just using, we 
that right. okay? We don't care where it is, right, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you had a question, I think. Go ahead. So, um, in in terms of your, let, let me ask you this: Who's who's overseeing your controls process? Is it, um, well, that's, that's US and finance. Yeah, and so I would use that as your means of yeah. of of, uh, and and what I meant by embedding cybersecurity into your controls framework, I would I would I would use that as the mechanism to do it because you you have. The, the, I, I always look. I looked at the controls today. I used to think, "Oh gosh, it's a pain in the neck. We got to deal with all this stuff." Today, as an opportunity to make business better, okay. And I'm seeing companies actually using their controls framework to reduce their close cycle, to improve their billing cycle, and to get operations on. And using that kind of as the excuse for making things better, because fundamentally, you know, there's things that you're organization could be doing to get cash in the door faster, but they're not doing. So why not embed that as part of your controls framework and use that as kind of the, I'll call it the, the excuse. And then I do the same thing with cybersecurity. Yeah. And just tell them that's what we got to do. <laughs> I mean, nobody knows controls better than you do as the finance, as the finance department. Right. So what, what other thoughts do y'all have? Yeah, I, I can talk about IT here. So there, there's a service out there called Evan, your IT guy. And, um, you know, it's on-demand IT support. And uh, what we've seen some of our clients do is um, they've been able to kind of reduce, you know, in, in slightly larger organizations, kind of almost eliminate their desktop support component of their IT department and um, go online and just, you know, get support when you need it at a fairly reasonable price. I mean, it's not super expensive, you know, and, and it's not like the Geek Squad where you have to ship off your hardware and never see it again, or when you do see it again, right, it's, it's, it's bad. Um, you know, so that, that's kind of a classic example of what can happen, you know, within an, you know, an, an organization like that. Um, you know, Bill mentioned procurement. Um, you know, and he mentioned NOV. Well, you know, Granger, with Granger, you almost don't need a procurement department. You need controls, 